Hi, everyone. This is the Love Your Career podcast. I'm Lauren Severus, CEO of Love Recruitment and Love Care Recruitment. And the aim of this podcast is simple. We want to give you the best advice from industry professionals to help you grow and love your career. We want companies to be able to take guidance on improving their recruitment process and for individuals to pick up knowledge, hints, tips of how to progress their career. We do this by letting our guests tell their stories. Thank you for listening. Truly, we hope you learn to love your career. Hey everyone, welcome to the Love Your Career podcast. Today's guest is Andy Thompson. Andy's the current chairman of Anytime Fitness UK and is also a UK franchisor. He's also run a variety of businesses within the health and fitness industry. In addition to that, um, over time, he's had a background in retail, in leisure, and also in the oil sector as well. We hope you enjoy. Andy, welcome to the Love Your Career podcast. I'm so pleased to have you. Lawrence, thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to it. Good. Well, in terms of really quickly, you are um, simply one of the nicest guys in the industry. But um, <laughs> one of the reasons I want to get, get you on here so much is I think you align that with uh, a definite presence and an expertise um, about management, about leadership, and about the industry that I always get something from every time we interact and speak and see each other. So I wanted to get you on to try and get some of that across to our listeners today. Hope that's okay. <laughs> Thank you very much for the kind words. Yeah, let, let's uh, let's get on with it. Nice. Yeah. Well, I get the first question is going to be quite quite a constant one now going forward. It's called the Love Your Career podcast. Andy, have you loved your career so far? Yeah, Lawrence, I think I have. Yeah, I think um, have I loved every moment of it? Probably not. There have been some. Uh, there's been some low points, but I think generally, I have. When I look back on what some of the things I've done, yeah, I've definitely, definitely loved it. Excellent. Is have you? Is there anything particularly about the journey so far that you you look back on and and find the learnings from or the good parts from? Is, is have you learned from your journey so far? Yeah, I think even today I use things that I probably learned when I started out. Um, I think there's. Uh, you know, my career in particular has quite had a quite variety of different industries, different yeah, kind of roles. Absolutely. Um, and I think I've always taken something from them and brought them into the now. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the 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 main challenge you have when you get longer in the tooth is you forget as much as you know. And so it's always try, it's good to try and remind yourself of of those instances. And and sometimes you need to get that from other people by connecting with the old colleagues and absolutely. catching up with the people you worked with before to say, oh yeah, remember that time we did we solved that problem or yeah or, or got through that project. So yeah, I have I've used I used most of the things I've learned pretty much every day. Nice. No, so I remember I remember you spoken about I've spoken about it previously that importance of the generalist type of yeah. background yeah certainly early on yeah is, is that something you can sort of expand a bit more now yeah 100 percent. i i i would say i am probably the epitome of the generalist <laughs> i i've tried lots of different things um and and uh, i've if i've felt that i wanted to try something else i've had no hesitation in jumping over to whether that's a different industry so i've worked in the oil industry when i started my career i've moved into technology um i Jumped then into retail and leisure, and then I left and had my own service company, selling back into retail and leisure. Now back in leisure again, um, and and a, a, it's just that rich mix of variety, the different skills and interactions you have with people in those different in those different uh, roles is, is really beneficial. And, yeah. I, and I, I I I often used to think the generalist was something that people didn't want in their organisation, but I think today it's as relevant as ever that you do need people that have those skills from and variety in their experience that they can bring 
bring nice. to, to, to bring to bring to your uh, lovely I think that kind of experience really lends itself to a topic I'd like to visit later in the conversation around that coaching mentorship as well yeah. I think having that generous back and really gives you the balance yeah. to be able to help people in that regard I'm sure we'll get to that if that's okay yeah, um, is there a single biggest reason that you can identify for your for your progression and your journey and to get to levels that you have is there a single biggest reason for that or reasons yeah I guess um I think in order to progress in life or in business or in your career, you you need to have, you need to take from somewhere. You need to get motivation. You need to have you need to have a, the idea in your mind that you want to do something or, or you have a goal that you want to achieve. Um, and I think people get that from different places. They get that energy. They get that drive. Some people take that externally. They bring it from their environment. Other people can generate it internally themselves. Um, some people need to have a coach. Some people don't. Uh, I've always found it I've been able to generate that motivation internally. Um, I'm quite analytical, so I'll, I'll appraise a, something um, to quite a lot of detail before I make a decision, um, and I use that to to help with the motivation. So I think having that internal drive, um, if you can, if you have that and you can capture it and provide and, and put it, point it in the right direction, then I think that's a valuable, you know, a very valuable thing to have, and that's probably the biggest thing I would say that's helped me. Amazing. Pro progress. And have you seen that and identified that in people that you've worked with and people who've worked for you? You've, you've almost located that drive in them and either been able to help them find it easily or perhaps even find it hard to open up in people who then end up being great. Have you, have you seen that in others? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's uh, quite um, refreshing when you see somebody make a change like that when they realise they don't have that internal drive and, and you help. You know, help them help them realize that. Help them open themselves up to the the idea of the possible that can happen, um, and that that for me is quite fulfilling. That's one of you know one of the things I'm quite passionate about, making sure that people can, you know, progress and develop, and they they can uncover that drive, nice. you know, the internal drive that they they maybe don't realize they have. So nice, which leads us on to a little bit about talking maybe about the, the mentorship and the coaching. Who's has anyone had like a big influence on your career? Or, or, or people had influences in your career? Yeah, I think um, it's, a, it's a very good question. And I, I, I remember, I think going back to when I was a young young man, a teenager, um, the people I, lo I looked up to, the people I uh, resonated with were the old, the old traditional British mountaineers. I thought they were, I, I always wanted to be an adventurer and if I hadn't done what I've done, then maybe I would have been an adventurer. <laughs> and in fact, I still think I am an adventurer, but in a, in a lesser, lesser way than a, than I was perhaps when I was a young man. It's really fun, so, so really funny. I asked um, Lauren earlier today what questions she'd like to ask you. She was able to ask you, uh, what would you have been had you not done the, the career agenda? We have that answer. Yeah, no, it's exactly. So yeah, so my ideals would have been on one of Chris Borrington's expeditions on Everest. Fantastic. Perfect. But those guys, I, I, I admired about them and, and why, uh, why I looked up to was they, they weren't afraid of taking on new challenges. There was a lot of things that there were un, unclimbed mountains, on routes that had never been to places that people hadn't been to before, and they were they they planned, they designed what they were going to do, and they went and did it. They didn't know what they were going to be confronted with, so yeah. they had to be problem solvers. Whether that was, um, you know, finding another food source or being stuck on a mountain for three days while the blizzard was blowing, I, I loved that kind of a challenge uh, and an extreme challenge, one that you know has a threat to life, not just a challenge where you you know you run out of money or something like that. But I, I loved all that, and they, nice. those are the guys I. I consumed all their books. I went to their lectures, and I wanted to be those guys. And um, I use, I still use 
that today. You know, I still like the idea of solving problems. I like facing challenges, overcoming, and looking back and say, "Yeah, we got through that. That was tough, but we got through it." Nice. Um, in your role now as chair, mentorship and coaching must play a big part of that. Yeah. Are there any lessons you can pass on, or guidance you can pass on to people who maybe in those roles, or or as a mentor? That people who are looking for a mentor can learn something from. I hope that makes sense in terms of what I'm yeah, asking. No, yeah. And actually, uh, to, to, to commence the process of looking for somebody like a mentor or a coach or something to help you, to go one step back and actually have that desire or have that willingness to think about that in the first place is probably the, where I would start because a lot of people don't think that, they I don't think like that. They don't think it's accessible to them. You know, they might think it's the, the domain of the chief exec or the domain of the, you know, the, the senior people. But you know, coaching and mentoring can be available to anybody. But you first, you know, in order to get the benefit from it, you need to open yourself up to receiving that yourself. And if you're close to that, then there's no point. So don't sit in a room with your mentor and not be open about what you want to, you know, what you want to talk about. It's problems you're going to solve because you will not solve them if you don't have that. If you don't have that uh, mindset change to receptive to the conversation so I think yeah that would be that would be the thing I would say open your mind to it yeah once you open your mind to it you'll get more from it than you than you than you would if you didn't in terms of the people shaping you obviously you've you've, you've, you've touched on that a little bit in terms of books podcasts information that's out there in today's world yeah what is has there been a a, a book that's helped shape you a podcast that helps shape you continuously what sort of things influence you yeah, so I, I'm a big um, consumer of literature. Well, actually, I'm a big purchaser of literature. <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with the Japanese word sunduku. That describes somebody who buys a lot of books but doesn't read them all. So that's me. I have a stack by my bed. I never get to the I never get to the end. Okay, which is a, which is a real a real shift for me because I, when I was younger, I used to read loads. I would I would I would put, pick a book up and put it down five hours later without even breathing. Or pausing for breath, even. Um, so, I, so, I, so I do consume a lot of you know. I, I like to gain knowledge. I like to gain experience from from reading. Um, and podcasts is a new you know it's you know it's a new area where you can again gen, genuinely generate all that learning and, and knowledge. Um, I, I'm particularly drawn to one podcast by a guy called Simon Mundy, who is called "Don't Tell Me the Score," where he. Uh, and he talks to people from the world of sport, not necessarily athletes, but coaches, nutritionists, uh, motivational speakers, and they talk about um, char the characteristics of what they do in their sporting life and how they use it in their personal life or how you can use it in your personal life. Nice. So he's interviewed some quite senior people, um, and I, I find that really quite useful because I love sport, and I, want, and, I, and I think there's a lot we can learn from it, and, and I think that's probably more, you know, it's more happened in the last sort of 10 to 20 years than it probably did before, but... That's that's a podcast I really I really like listening to. Yeah, I'm I'm very much I'm a, a huge any kind of sports on TV or read about. I would love it. Any kind yeah. of quiz I've ever done, there was a sport round. Everyone seems, seems to look at me about, about things. Like <laughs> I find when I listen to things like the Jake Humphrey podcast and things, when you listen to someone like Dan Carter speak about he, he the one episode he talks about the importance of journaling. I've never really been and yeah. been doing. It. I've never really done that, and I really would like to get more involved in that. When you hear the importance he places and stuff like that. Yeah. It resonates, don't you? So it's about identifying um, a book or a podcast or something that speaks your language almost, so it then ingrains and go into. Yeah. Do you find, how how do you take, if you're listening to one of those podcasts, you listen to something that really resonates with you, you think, oh, I can put that into, I learned from it, one of my team can learn from that. How do you take it from listening to it, 
on your phone or however you listen to your podcast or read a book how do you take that information and then make it live in your work yeah, um, yeah good question Lawrence I think um, well first of all um, my short term memory is not as good as it used to be so I probably if it's something that really resume, resonated with me I'd probably listen to it again probably more, multiple times and, and certainly, certainly <laughs> I that, do too yeah certainly <laughs> in that and you know maybe that small ex- excerpt I'm pretty good if, if something really lands in my mind I'll keep it there um, yeah. and it will stay with me and I'll ruminate on it I'll think about it um, and then I will I'll probably make some notes um, about it and I'll try and I'll try and I'll talk to people about it I'll bring it to life and you know down the pub I'll talk about it I'll talk about somebody on the train you know I'll try and I'll talk to you about it you know I'll try I'll, if, it's, if it's fresh in my I, I just want to share it yeah um, and, I, and some people take from that or some people don't um, and then when I do you know I do I do some business and life coaching I often will use some of these examples that I get from something like Simon Time Monday's podcast yeah. might use it in, in, in coaching as well to, yeah. to get people to bring to life something we're talking about to make it relevant so, absolutely yeah. so I think for a long time I used to I used to read a book and I I would know that I really loved it and I would talk about it afterwards but what I really struggled with for a long time was then almost like three months later remembering what yeah. I like so much about it and you forget unless you're in the moment so yeah. about two or three years ago I started the habit of just highlighting as I go and then I transfer those notes into a notebook so I know I've got them so A I revisit them continuously but if something's really important I think can impact love for example I'll then bounce it off Tom and Abby what do we think do you think that can work what do you think and then they'll either like it um, or they'll go let me let let us read it now we'll read that book that happened with 8020 the 80-20 principle they then read it was like yes okay yeah we can learn yeah. something from that and implement it that's really good I love hearing different people's ways of learning how to do it yeah I mean and just to finish on that I, one thing I, I got um, I was uncomfortable at first but the idea you buy a book and you start on page one you finish on page 397 is how do you need to consume it I started dipping into it you know and as long as it doesn't break up you know the what what this what you know what story not not yeah. actually fiction story but the story that's been told. I think you can you can take bits from a book and often I will pick up a book and just read the bit I'm in really interested in that I've read before, or I might just take a new book and start in the middle rather than at the beginning. Well, wow. and, and just you know just sort of mix it up a little bit. You know, <laughs> that's good. Living on the edge, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally. <Crazy. laughs> um, Let's talk about a few more um, kind of specific and live examples if we can. So kind of getting into the nitty gritty of things like interviews and stuff. What what would be your top interview tip that you'd give to maybe a candidate in the marketplace right now? Yeah. And maybe keep a specific fitness industry if you like or keep it more general in terms of generally if you want to. What what would be a tip you'd give to a candidate looking for a job right now? Um, well, I don't know where to start. There's a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's, there's, you can do there's more so than one. Many, like. There's so many. I think... I think um, if I if I had to be pushed on on number one, I always think it's important um, when you, in an interview process you're probably well you will be meeting at some point then the the interview people for the first time you the people that your prospective employers. I think it's always important to start well, um, and you will ho- always have done your preparation, you know your research, your you know making sure you're comfortable with everything that's on your CV or whatever. Um, but I do think just that few minutes before you go into the interview room or whether it's being done on video is make sure you're in the right frame of mind and always start with high energy and enthusiasm. There's nothing worse than sitting doing an interview with, a, with somebody who comes in and the, 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 kinda, the aura in the room is one of, of flatness uh, uh, or low intensity or low energy. 
it's not it's a difficult starting point for an interviewer so you know present yourself with high energy and always start well um, always be prepared for the first question I think you can pretty much probably guess there'll be two or three things they're going to ask you yeah you know something about your career something about why you want the job they may even ask how you got to the interview so be prepared to talk about your journey because they might just want to make some some talk you know some light to light to like talk so always so I'd start with high intensity high energy and be prepared for that first question don't stutter don't hesitate and listen carefully to what they ask you amazing answer thank you so much <laughs> uh, I've really, I've really, I scribbled that down so that's a really really good answer because it's underestimated the importance of starting the interview oh, well yeah and again coming back to our you know our conversation you know about the love of sport yeah I, 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 I'm a rugby coach I coached uh, teenage uh, teenagers in rugby and one of the things I always say, you have to start with high intensity. The very first time you touch the ball, treat it like it's the 10th time you touch the ball because the other team will not be thinking like that, you know, and it makes me, frustrates me when I see professional sports teams not starting with high intensity. It's the only thing you can bring to the game as you walk onto the pitch or walk onto the court. I'm a Spurs fan, so we have that a lot of the moment. How about that Your great tip for candidates? Um, maybe some of that apply to businesses as well, but a top interview tip for businesses if you don't mind so you're the interviewer now yeah um, I think I think some some of the some of the most important decisions you'll make in business is the people you hire because pretty much all organization no matter what you're doing is all is about the people you only get things done through people um, so just be 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 properly prepared and and know what you're looking for so um, and that's not say just based on skills, experience. Um, look for look for the softer stuff, the, the more emotional things. So how are they? Gonna, if you, if they, you're bringing someone into a team, they've got to be able to fit in with that team. What's their passion for what you're doing? Um, you know, ask them about the things that they do outside of the of the job that they do to get some kind of insight into their and yeah. a deeper insight into their personality. Um, I, I come in not a big fan of psychometric tests and things like that. But you have to try and give yourself that acumen. To try and you know get under the get under the skin of what they're really like, um, and if you're not if you're unsure, then you know don't don't make don't make the decision or, or invite them back again to 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 try and um, you know try and push push the buttons and get to the get to the answers that you want. So yes, yes. I think um, that that's what I would say. Nice. Today's podcast is sponsored by Share the Love. Share the Love is our way of making a difference. For every placement we make with love recruitment or love care recruitment, we plant 50 trees. To find out more, head to our Share the Love section of one of our websites. So as a, as a business leader and a business owner, um, what's, what's been either the best recruitment process that maybe that you've been part of um, or the elements of a recruitment process that you know work really well? I mean, you're trying to find good talent for your business yeah um, well first of all Lawrence I'd say have a process <laughs> um, I think I think I see a lot of uh, recruitment activity which doesn't really have any structure or have any process to and I think that could, could potentially lead to poor hiring decisions so make sure you have a process so you, who understand you know you understand what what's the criteria what's the requirements of the of the role do you need to get external help from an organization like love or can you run it yourself internally? Um, what, what, uh, you know, who's going to be involved in it? Are they competent enough? Do they need some training? Um, what, what questions are going to be asked? You know, figure out the 
the if there's going to be more than one person in the interview, figure out what role they're going to take. You know, to, yeah. who's going to ask what questions, um, and then try and be consistent with with candidates. You know, so have a consistent process. Nice. It, it'll feel it might feel awkward to you because it feels like you're doing saying the same things all the time. Because the candidate's not feeling that because they're they're only in, in the interview once. So um, yeah, and I think you know they can, as I said. You know they can be the, some of the hard, difficult decisions, the hardest decisions you're going to make as a as an organisation and as a business leader. But you've got to you've got to get them right Absolutely. as much as you can. No one's going to get them right 100% of the time, but you want to try and make that percentage as high as you possibly can. I love every part of that answer. The two things that jumped out at me the most out of that is having a process. Everyone that has been associated with me in my career so far will know that we're smiling right now because that's a word I use a lot. Yeah. Um, and the importance of that recruitment process, knowing what is actually you're doing. But also the training for the people who are doing the interviews. Do they need training? That's that's underestimated. Yeah. It's particularly in a in a big business. Yeah. You think you're gonna hire these the sales manager for the club or regional manager. Is the person actually doing the interviews? Do they have, do they know what they're doing? Yeah. That's really important. Yeah, because I think um as you know, I have seen a lot of people become you know, they, they progress in an organization, they, they move into management roles, they move into senior management roles. I think often they're not, they've never really had any, you know, formal training in something like interviewing people. Yeah. Um, and it's not, you know, it's nothing uh, esoteric or anything like it. It's not, it's not hugely formal, but you just need to have some basic principles and, and some people just haven't had that or don't exhibit them. So, and, and, the, and the way I would do that is to actually role play internally first. So have them, have the person interview me or interview somebody else in the organization and just practice yeah. what they're doing nice I'm a big fan of role play me too I've spoken about it many times on this podcast so far but there's a lady called Catherine Firmer who gave me some amazing training on interviews years ago yeah. um, she's now the ops director for the gym group and um, I learned so much just from role playing interviews I, I realised by doing it how bad I was yeah. when I was interviewing for a job <laughs> I realised how just generally awful I was but she took the time to invest in me and teach me how to answer questions better, to get across my skill set better. Yeah. I was capable of the role I was interviewing for, but I wasn't articulating that in any way possible, anywhere near good enough. And she helped me get there. Yeah. It's really important for both sides to have to coach people. Well, 100%, yeah. because yeah. You, you're interviewing somebody who you want to give a job to, but they're interviewing you as an organization. 100%. And they yeah. might have, they're interviewing you as your as their potential manager. Yeah. And if you're not projecting a, the organization properly, the culture, the vision values, and the you know what the role actually is to that person then they're not gonna they're not gonna want to join you even if you want them to join so. absolutely in terms of um we'll move on from interviews in a second but in terms of how you as a business leader prepare for an interview so you've got interviews like how do you get yourself ready to be able to be i guess be the best version of yourself to represent your company the best you can to find the talent you're looking for how do you prepare yourself for an interview so i would prepare myself similar to the way i described a minute ago about how the interviewee should prepare with you know you know come in with energy come in with a positive uh, attitude i i think it's only fair for the interviewer interviewee that the interviewer behaves in the same way mm. so i'm not i'm gonna you're gonna try and make the interviewee feel at ease when you get into the room um of course i'm gonna do all the basic stuff i'm gonna make sure i have all the they the reviewed their cvs reviewed their letters uh, of application anything else um talk to anybody that might know them in my network, for example, uh, if that's appropriate. Um, and then just, you know, formulate the questions I want to ask. And there'll be some fixed questions and there'll be some kind of variable questions, but and always be prepared to probe a bit deeper depending on what the answer the answer that they give you. So 
it, it doesn't sound like there's anything like there that's uh, unnatural. It's, it's not. It's kind of normal stuff. But I still think it's important that you make. I think the best interviews are conducted when the two people are at ease in the interview because it can be a quite a daunting thing for, especially for the interviewee more than the interviewer. And the interviewer, you know, you may be doing eight or ten in a day. Mm -hmm. You got you can't show fatigue. You've got to be honest and and be positive and not show uh, you know that you're a bit tired from the seven you've done already. You've got to treat every, the eighth person the same as the first. So. Absolutely. No, I love that completely. Um, in, well, I phrase this question kind of similarly, I find myself doing it's at the flip side of, we talked a lot about how you can create a great interview, good interviews, what a good one looks like. How about the flip side of the coin? Are there any consistent traits you've seen in in poor interviews, maybe the poor process, not the poor process, poor interviews. Is there something that jumps out at you that you see on a consistent basis? Not the crazy stuff, but the the the, the consistent no-nos of an interview process. Yeah, I think I think there's a couple of things. Um, firstly, listen to and answer the questions being asked. Um, I think I see a lot of examples of that where you uh, and, and the interviewers not trying to necessarily trip the interviewee up sometimes they are but sometimes they're not they just want a qualifying they put a qualifying statement on the end so they might say tell me about your career and also why you left the different roles you did what and of course they'll tell they'll do the first bit they'll tell about their career but they won't say why they left the different why they left their roles um, so just listen carefully to the question and make sure you make sure you answer the question and the other thing is be you know you've given the organization in advance your cv uh, other information about you, you have to know that inside out. So don't tie yourself in knots about whether you were at Organisation X for five years or seven years because the interviewer will not like that you don't have the facts right. So make sure you know about yourself to that level of detail because it'll be a, it's a car crash if you, if you get all that confused. That's the basic stuff, you know. They might ask you things about, you know, the role, the skills you have and things that might be a bit harder to answer, but you've got to get your own, you know, your, your, the story about yourself has got to be correct, so. Absolutely, great answer. In terms of, um, obviously you spend a huge amount of time working in the franchise side of the fitness yeah. industry. Are there particular challenges you've come across in terms of recruitment in that sector uh, I know we've spoken about it briefly in the past, but are there particular challenges that face you, or in more recent times, or generally? I think, um, again, just like I said, uh, some the recruitment decisions you make are some of the hard, you know, t toughest decisions you have to make in yeah. an organisation. Um, a franchising is no different. Um, there are some slight nuances when you're recruiting franchisees into a network, no matter what you know whichever network that is, because you're you're, you're getting into a business relationship that's going to be could last five, ten, and in some franchise systems could be 25, 30 years if you if you're into you know an hotel franchising, for example. Um, so making sure you get that recruitment uh, process conversation um, right is important. Um, and so same principles apply. You, you need to understand what the criteria are that you're looking for. Does, does the franchisee have the passion for the industry that that you're operating in? So the you know do they have some? They they may not have. Um, you know, so we 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 you know anytime fitness we're in health and fitness. So do they have a passion for health and fitness? Um, I think it's important. It's not the main criteria, but I think it's important. Um, they you know do they have some prior business knowledge? Uh, do they do they, you know have they got some capability or experience of managing people? Because that's what you know just like any other organisation franchising is. And and if you get those as a, as correct as, or as right as you can, then you'll have a better chance of success in the franchise relationship. And you'll, you know, the franchisee and the franchisor will stay aligned in what we're trying to do. So again, I think 
while the outcome is slightly different from interviewing for employment, it's some of the some of the principles are still as valid as they were before. You just have to try to kind of uh, modify them in a in, nice. a in a way. Okay, we've spoken a lot, um, and it's a personal passion of both of ours um, about CSR and the importance of yeah. climate change, giving back, and doing the right thing um, when you lead a business. Obviously, our version is share the love. I know you guys have got your foundation. Um, do you think things like that? And please talk about that a bit, a bit more if you if you'd like. And I, I would love for people to hear about the, what the, the Worth the Foundation do. But do you think things like that will play a bigger and bigger role in business going forward? Yeah, I think um, I think we're in a place now where organisations, businesses, and even governments are, have a greater um, understanding of the impact we're having on our planet and on on, on other people. Um, I think that's a given, um, no, no matter what the narrative is, whether it's climate change, whether it's social mm. mobility, whatever, whatever that yep. form comes, whatever form it comes in. Um, I think um, when you are making a decision to become part of an organisation, whether as an employee or a franchisee, whoever that is, or a citizen because you're moving to a new country or you know moving to another city, that you you are now evaluating the you know the organisation. On, on different criteria. It's not just about how much money I'm going to earn, whether I can make the chief exec's role, um, you know, how long I'm going to be there, do I like the industry, but also what, what are they doing in terms of minimizing their impact on our environment? What are they doing to give back to the, to the local community, whether that's through econ you know, an economic benefit um, or it might be uh, you know, through a, a giving process, you know, uh, working, working with a local, local school doing repairs or um, fixing up somebody's house, or uh, or through you know through health and well-being, you know through by by working with people who might have uh, no, no access to health and fitness or the or any way of modifying yeah. their situation to make it make a, make their lives better. So I think all those things are now as important as they ever are. And I think as an organisation, you need to project, project what you you know you need to have a narrative and project what you're saying about it, um, because people will look at you. And they'll make their decisions on whether they buy your service, buy your product, or want to work for you, based on those things now as much as the other, the other factors uh, yeah. before. So, uh, I'm absolutely, fully supportive of absolutely of of making sure that these are part of what we do and part of what our franchise network does. So I think people's buying so not only about attracting talent and people's decisions about who they work for will undoubtedly and already are. Yeah. being impacted by the good that company does but people's buying decisions they'll vote with their feet and they'll buy th from areas and from people yeah. who are making a difference yeah. the passion around this is growing yeah. and it's compounding in terms yeah. of growth um, yeah I think it's going to be a huge role going forward yeah. um, okay you um, you mentioned to me in a recent text exchange we had going back and forth that you love a new year you love a new <laughs> start um, and that, that, that resonated with me because I do too. I, lo I love a fresh start. I love starting again. Um, what, wh why do you love a new year? Why do you love that period of starting a new year? Yeah, well, I think it's probably my kind of Scottish heritage. You know, in Scotland, you know, New Year's Eve is um, it's, a bit, it's a big celebration, but it's, but it's also a time of cleansing. You know, so you, I remember as a child, uh, you know, my mother and sister. We clean the house from top to bottom. You you can't uh, start a new year with a dirty with a dirty house, um, especially if you're going to have guests around. So you know, there's things like that. Uh, you know, and you you're you know, no matter what's happened in the 
past, you're putting that behind you and you've, you're looking forward to what's happening in the future. You celebrate with friends and you move into, you know, you move into, you know, you move into a new era. I think, um, you know, I, I, I don't necessarily subscribe to the idea of people having New Year's resolutions. I think if you want to make a change in your life, you should be prepared to make that at any time. Though I do understand why people do make commitments at that, you know, at that time. Yeah. Um, but, but that's not for me. Uh, I'm not. I ne I, I'm not a big fan of things like dry January. I think that's uh, not doesn't really sit, especially for a number of reasons. First of all, burn, Burns Night happens on the 25th of January, so you're not <laughs> going to make it to the end if you're a Scot and you and you and you love you love your the national poet. And the second thing is, um, that, you know, January can be a quite a quiet time for a lot of businesses. And, and actually, I I'd like to go and if I can, and not everybody can, you know, just to spend my money in the community, whether that's the shop or whether that's the pub or the restaurant. And try and you know keep those businesses going because yeah. it's a tough, tough old time. Nice. Okay. Good. I uh, yeah. You you on your on your voicemail. You, was what was the phrase you used? Is that like a perpetual New Year's in Scotland or something like that? You always say it's the same was, phrase. Yeah, it's New Year. It's you know, settle, yeah. Well, there's no time not. You don't, you don't need to stop wishing people happy New Year. <laughs> yeah, you can carry right. on all year, all year long. Okay. Yeah, so, um, so. How last question I'll ask before we start to wrap up, if that's okay. So. You've mentioned this a little bit in terms of the narrative from the perspective of CSR. We've mentioned other places as well. From a business trying to attract talent, how important is it you get the narrative of why someone should join your business? How important is narrative, particularly in today's world? I know what I think about it. What do you think about it? I, I, if I look at it from my perspective of a consumer, I spend, I, I spend quite a lot of time looking at what businesses are saying not necessarily about themselves, but just about what they're saying about their environment. So, you know, you know, where where are they sourcing their materials from? What what are they doing to reduce, uh, you know, um, my, the, the the miles that are travelled in the supply chain and things like yeah. that? I think that's important, and and I will use it as a, a criteria to buy, um, because I think it's important that they, that they they stand behind those things, um, and so I think therefore. Um, in the businesses I've worked with, and it's important that we project in the same way because yeah. what, what's being said when you're not there about you is important and, and, the, and where are people consuming that information from? So they're either getting it from you know, the usual channel, media channels, if, if that's appropriate, or they're talking to or customers or consumers. Uh, you know, it, it kinda, you know I, get, I get disappointed when I hear, when I meet people who've had a poor experience with our brand, for example, because that's disappointing for me. Uh, and disappointing for them, and I, and I, f I feel much more happy about things when I meet somebody who's had a positive experience with our brand. But I think projecting what you stand for and what you are trying to do is is hugely important, and is is a subtle way of marketing. You know, people if they if they're buying from you, they're going to want to 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 see and hear what you stand for. So, okay. massively important. From a career journey point of view, if you could go back to your twenty one year old self and give give that young <laughs> man some advice, what would it be? Uh, I think there was a the turning point for me having you know I went I, I was fortunate I went through higher education I went to university um, I left university got an okay job and, and I progressed um, but I, I, I always worked in corporate world and uh, you know I, I'm not going to claim the full responsibility because I, I started my first business with two other business partners and we we we, we crafted it together and, and probably without them I, I may not have done it but I think the thing that I, when I look back on, I wish I'd started working, working for myself or working in, in my own businesses earlier. 
and, and that comes back to something I was talking about before the self motivation. I, I didn't feel as though I had it in me, but when and I had to had to find it in other people mm. to help me, and and I think I helped them as well. So collectively, we managed to find the the the, the internal motivation to go and do it. But that would be the thing. Um, I would probably say to my 21 year old self, don't don't have the fear that you can't do something like that. You you can find a way, and and, and I, that's you know I wish I'd done it earlier, really. Okay, thank you. That's really honest. Thank you. Um, if someone was listening to this, so much has been covered, um, <laughs> and I've written down so many notes myself personally as well. But if there's one thing, that one thing you want would want, maybe someone to take away from what you said today, what would be that one thing? Ooh, um, I think uh, it's probably the point around if you want, you know, if, if you want to make a change or you want to do something different in your life, whether that's personal or, or your business life, then, um, and you're struggling to figure out what that is, um, try try and look at options or ways of trying to get that clarity and. Some people can find that in themselves or they can find it in books or they can find it from listening to podcasts and others can find it by talking to their family and friends, though sometimes that tends to be more advisable rather than helpful. You know, you need to do this. Well, actually, I don't want to do that. You know, that's not helping. But, you know, try and find somebody who can give you to help you open up your mind to you know, what's possible um, and give you some clarity, give you some guidance, give you some suggestions, maybe some options. Um, and, and look for that help nice. um, and embrace it, really, I think. Um, so, yeah, so if you are stuck and you are, you know, you're looking for a bit of clarity, then, uh, you know, look, look, look for help and yeah. ask for help. So Love it. Don't be afraid. My last question is, is a new one, and it's going to be something I ask each guest as they come <laughs> on now. If you could recommend anyone for me to invite on to Love Your Career podcast, who would it be? Yeah, um, well, it's quite a few people. Um, I could probably recommend, but one person I think you would find really interesting to talk to would be Jason Worthy, who's, who's just uh, joined a join anytime as our new chief exec. Yeah, he's got a very rich and varied uh, career himself, and and lots of uh, life experiences that he could share. So yeah, I'd recommend Jason. Thank you so much, and thank you for your time. Thank it's you, Lawrence. It's been it's been it's been been a pleasure, and I really enjoyed the chat. It's been a lovely conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks so much to Andy Thompson for um, what was a, a really, really great conversation that I enjoyed immensely. So as usual, here are my three things, my three key takeaways amongst all of that great content. My first one is how Andy spoke about being conscious um, of what has influenced him and in turn, his obviously advice to everybody else what's influenced you. And what I mean by that is he spoke about the adventurers that he kind of followed when he was young and how that kind of spirit um, affects him and his ethos and his actions in his workplace was what would, an, what would an, an adventurer do? Which I thought was just a really interesting topic and obviously something new that's come up um, in Andy's conversation. The second thing is much more specific in terms of, of the Love Your Career podcast and that is having, having a process 
when you interview, um, particularly obviously from the point of view of an interviewer and a business doing it, it gives you structure, it gives helps to make better decisions and it ensures a consistent experience for candidates. It also ensures that whoever's doing the interviews is qualified and ready and able to be able to do it. And I just thought that's absolutely fantastic advice. And the last um, of my three, um, point number three, weirdly, been the last of the three, is to start well. What a great advice for someone go to an interview and it really, really resonates because it's something that I've said to people historically as well. It's so important in an interview to start well. So really have that conscious in your mind. Thanks very much. This is the Love Your Career podcast. The point of this podcast is simple. Listen to leaders, their stories and improve your career.